This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. It's Tuesday night, we're up the top of the tower. We can mean only one thing, we are the Fight Disciples and we are back. And let's be honest, we're licking our wounds a little bit this week. One of our own tried his best, he dared to be great. He tried to go from being, you know, one of the great Merseyside boxers of all time to be one of the great British boxers of all time in terms of pure achievements. Obviously, I'm talking about Tony the Bomber Bellew took on Alexander Usyk on Saturday night at the Manchester Arena. Tremendous performance. It didn't go our way. We're going to dissect that fight uh, a little bit now with my studio guest and also talk about the legacy that Bellew leaves behind. And, uh, you know, it's hard to say right now because... You know, it's easy to look back with, with rose-tinted glasses on the, the careers of the likes of Nell Tarleton and Alan Rudkin and John Conte, uh, you know, and, and, and put their achievements absolutely on a pedestal. It's always difficult when a guy's only just achieved something right here and right now. Um, but, you know, I want to get stuck into that a little bit later in the show, as I say. My guest tonight, I'm delighted to say, is another all-time living legend, Merseyside great, Mr. Derry Matthews. Evening, evening, Nick. The golden boy himself. Um... Obviously, Daddy, like the rest of the city, we were all engaged. Me and you were both there on Saturday night inside the arena in Manchester, hearing 20,000. You know, I think a lot of people have said Mancunians. It wasn't purely Mancunians. In fact, it wasn't even purely Scousers. It was a mix of people from all over the country. That's who Bellew's become now. He's become a superstar of the UK. He is. To me, he's a world superstar, not just in the UK. Um, what he's achieved in his boxing career is, is phenomenal. He's, to me, he's a one-off. As you've just been stating about the the greats what have come from the city, but you know I've I've I'm in the same era as Tony Tony Bellew, and I don't I don't see them as, as being anywhere as good as him as anywhere near him. Um, I think I don't know whether that's just me being around him and and being a friend and being being on the undercards of his of his great nights, but you know to me he's 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 a legend and he's going to be a legend. What's going to be sadly missed from the sport, and you know he's put. For me, Liverpool boxing back on the map. It's it's he's a superstar. Not not just in not just in England, in Britain. He's, he's a world superstar. Yeah, you know, you, you don't become a world superstar and don't be invited into the, the film Creed. He's, he's a world superstar. He's a known superstar. He can walk anywhere in the world, and someone will know he is. And you know, he's been a credit to the sport and a, and a credit to the city. Yeah, when the uh, when the lights went down on Saturday night in the Manchester Arena, and then you know, we had the rapper thing going on which is that's that's just bell you all over in it having someone rapping inside the ring that just reminded me of when he used to you know he's, he's talked about it in the build-up he was telling fight disciples in the interview we did he'd come from south end with his rap music on and his gold chains and his headphones and he'd go to pits to go to you know the rotunda and all that where all the lads were just like come on they're all in reebok classics and you know listening to the farm and stuff and there he is coming in listening to rap music and everything else but that's who he is. That's his personality. He's always had that. And we, we had that on the weekend, and then suddenly the, the lights dropped. We heard the air raid sirens. You know, we're both Reds. We're both Liverpool fans, but I've got to be honest. When Zed Car comes on, and I'm in touching distance of a boxing ring, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. I, I agree, and they did, they did for me. And I, I was sitting with the lads who were my Devertonians, and, and you think, you know what? Because he's a friend as well, and he's, and he's a fellow Liverpool, Liverpool lad. He, you get excited. And my own son, who's a mad Red, goes every game. He was like, God, we're screaming, come on, value, come on, value. And I was like, 
Zedcar's on, but it, it it just goes out the window, and it's just about you know supporting supporting one of your own and supporting a friend, and it was just it was just it was good good for me. Um, my little boy was upset all on the way home. It was very upsetting, but you know he he dared to be the great, and to me he still is a great, and he'd be a great for for a long time. Yeah, the fight itself. Did you expect that? Those first couple of rounds, did you expect Bellew to start so much sharper, so much more accurate? Outboxing at times, outboxing, who was arguably the best boxer on the planet this year. You know, I st- you know, I think a lot of people still, myself included, still think Lomachenko has got a little bit more. But 2018, we talked about this on a podcast. 2018 belongs to Alexander Usyk with the three wins he's had on the road. This is he is the fighter of the year this year. So outboxing for the first three rounds, Derry. I I I was like. Stop the fight now. Let's have yeah, it. Yeah. That, that'll do. Yeah. It would have been all right if a little injury would have been worth yeah. the scorecards. But, but look, Tony is very, very good at game plans. And him and Dave Caldwell, certain fighters gel with certain trainers. And to me, they're, they're, a, they're a master. They're, they've connected great. Um, and Dave always has a good, good game plan. And, and Tony can stick to it. And he executes it. And I thought he was in control. I thought he was, he was very, very good. Um, one thing what I noticed from where I was sitting there, Bellew to me is Tony is massive, he's yeah. huge, but he didn't look the bigger man in there. It, no. was, it was the back on a new second. I was like, wow, he did not look. He did not look the size. He looked. He looked like a heavyweight, a big heavyweight. And obviously, we know Tony's boxing heavyweight, but it was just it was one of them things. And he was he was doing brilliant. He was doing brilliant. Um, At times, that count that right hand, that right hand lead he was throwing, everyone couldn't knows, miss with it. Yeah, everyone knows. Or Tony can put his punching powers on probably pound for pound one of the best in the world. Um, he just needs one one little shot to clip him anywhere, and it, it was over. But it's it was at the end. The end of the fight was was gutting for us. Um, yeah. But the first few rounds, yeah, I was I was like, well, he's doing it. Yeah. He's doing it. He's We're doing gonna do it. it. Everyone by us like, come on, he's doing it. He's doing it. And um, and then Tony loves to play into the crowd. Come on, you know that. Is is to me is a great and it's, it's going to be missed badly. Absolutely. One of the things I enjoyed most about it was, at times in the, you know in those first five or five or six rounds, where where Bellu was leaning against the ropes, he was dropping his hands, he was banging his yeah. his fists on his thighs. I just thought, he knows it's the last one and he's enjoying it. He's he, enjoying he, himself. I thought he loved every minute of it. Um, and to twenty thousand people to walk out to to his, his Z cars where he loves Everton Football Club and to walk out. The MEN Arena, you know, not too far from home, and it's every fighter's dream. Um, but it was just in minutes, well, a couple of rounds away from you know from doing it. Um, yeah. But look, there's no shame in in getting beat to to me, as you just stated. It they're probably the best fighter in the world at the moment on form, um, and he dared to be great, and he still is a great. Yeah. That's what someone else was saying in in, in the arena when we were there. He was so close to being a great, and I went. He is a great. He, there's no, there's no two ways about it. He is a great, and for me, he's been the best, the best fighter from this city by a country mile. I've always stated on social media. I've been stating it for, for about two years. That who, who can, who can achieve what he's achieved? Who, you know, look at the list. There's, there's not many people who can do what he's done. Yeah, British Commonwealth European world champion, in a, in a, <laughs> in a film. Um, he's, he's a great. He sells arenas out. There's, there's no, there's no better than yeah. the name I'd say from the city. Absolutely. In terms of the fight itself, 
obviously, Anthony's on top for the first three rounds. I think Usyk comes into it in the fourth. I think Usyk, at the end of the fourth round, Usyk caught him with like a little left uppercut and straightened his leg. I don't, you know, I don't think Tony quite recovered from that. And I think Usyk had a good fifth. I give Tony, I give Bellew the sixth round as well. Yeah. So going into the eighth, I had a four-three Bellew. I still had him ahead. I think Usyk had had some good rounds, but there, there was no like massive rounds. There was no like, you know, until we got to that eighth round, there was no. Huge round for Usyk where you suddenly thought the time has changed. But watching it, I did think that Usyk was making Bellew work. And isn't that what the greats do best? Isn't that what separates Usyk from world-class to elite level? He wasn't doing much, but his footwork and his feints and all that yeah. meant that Bellew had to work at full throttle. It was just like you couldn't switch off. It was just little baby steps like the fight built on. He was just getting Tony into certain positions and a little bit of movement and... He's a world-class fighter. You don't you don't do what he's done. Amateur and professional. Um, you know the the ring craft was brilliant. Um, I think he was. I think he was surprised with Tony's um, tactics as well. Yeah, they were, I thought they were spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, Tony hasn't made cruiserweight for for how long? So two years. For two years, so we don't know whether that's played a massive part. Um, and as you get older, it's harder to make the weight. Well, everyone says, oh, he's, he only moved up to, to Cruiser for a couple of fights or whatever, but he still hasn't made the way for two years. He's been yeah. at heavyweight. He's been banging people at heavyweight. And at 35, that, that's, that's a big thing, isn't it? You know, yeah, of course, to, to, yeah. to get your body back down. And he was into, He looked in unbelievable shape. Yeah. <laughs> he looked brilliant. So his, his training team, you know, Dave, Dave Belos, yeah, yeah, yeah. standing conditioning, yeah. conditioning coach, he was in, because I've been following the social media, he was in tip-top condition. I thought, looking at him. Yeah, physically, uh, yeah. But... Yeah, but but might have caught up with him, but you Absolutely. never know. But, but there's a big difference, it. isn't there, between looking in great condition. You know, he had a six-pack for one of the first times in his career. He did look great, well, since he was a light, heavy and skinny. But there's a difference between, you know, making the weight and making the weight strong and being functional at the weight. And for me, that was the issue. I've never seen him as a cruiserweight run out of gas before, but in this fight, we've seen him run out of gas. Yeah. Would, now, look, now that might just be... Be, be the opponent as well. Do yeah. you know what I mean? It might have been if he's a boxed a lesser opponent, he might have felt great. But he, you're fighting the best in the world. You, you know, there's no two ways about it. He, he he was fighting the best, and it was just so close. I'd love that fight at heavyweight. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love that at heavyweight. Well, th- well, this is the big thing. I was talking to Dave Calder on this, on this on Saturday. I was like. In hindsight, because Usyk, when he first called Bellew out, I think they wanted Bellew at heavyweight to be their first fight at heavyweight to introduce Usyk to the heavyweight division. But then, obviously, Anthony's gone. Well, if I'm going to fight you, if I'm going to come out of this retirement, I may as well do it for all the belts. Otherwise, what's the point? But in hindsight, potentially, do you think that may have worked against them? At heavyweight, would you have given it more of an advantage for Bellew? Mm, Yeah, I would. I would. I'd I'd say, yeah, Uh, at heavyweight. Because... He's, you know, I mean, David Day is well bigger than Tony, but come down to the fight night, the power's in the in the hands and the stamina was in the in the in Tony as well. But I think you set a, a different level of a fighter to 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 what David Day has been. Yeah. Um, but David Day still to me was still a great, still a, still a, a world class fighter when Tony boxed him, and yeah. you got a few people saying, "Oh, he got injured, he got this." He beat, he beat an heavyweight fighter. He beat an heavyweight... Former heavyweight champion. Heavyweight world champion. A cruiserweight, undisputed world champion. Yeah. He, he beat the best. Um, and he beat the best day of the day. There's no two ways about it. And I'd like to see the Usyk fight at heavyweight, yeah, but 
you know, I think Tony, Anthony's, Tony's, he's, he's done what he's got to do in the sport, and he's going to go away and enjoy himself. Yeah, obviously, for someone like yourself as a coach now, does so much work with with your your own ABC, your own yeah. kids' classes. Obviously, your lad is boxing now and doing great. When you look at Usyk and this Lomachenko kind of Ukrainian little vein of generation that's come yeah. through, you know, two of the best fighters on the planet are from the Ukraine. That that's not a mistake. That's not by accident. Something during their generation when they grew up, whether it was Anatoly Lomachenko's dad or whatever it may be, they were they were made the right way. They were produced that what the fundamentals they were taught then are what are the fundamentals which have seen them so good now. Is it the footwork? Is it the hand speed? Is it you know what do you look as a coach and think, wow, I've got to teach my kids that and go, if you want to be that good, you need to get this right. I, I, no, I, and I also think it moves in cycles. Boxing moves in cycles. Liverpool at the moment is, is amazing, the hop, hop out of it. Years ago was Manchester, London. It, it, boxing moves in cycles. Like amateur clubs in Liverpool. Yeah. The Solly's on top, the Tundra's down on top, ERT. Yeah. It goes round the gem. To me, the Gemini boxing club now, the talent they've got coming through, the kids from the age of 11 to 15, 16. Uh, uh, there's going to be some superstars in there, so it, it just goes in cycles. Yeah, yeah. Um, and most probably the same with the Ukraine, but there's something what they're doing, and, and it's worked. Whoever was their coach in charge of them too, they, you know, he deserves a pat on the back if if it's him who's made them into into great fighters. That was one of the things that Bellew picked up on in the build up to the fight as well. He was like, the reason Usyk is so good is. It's it's down to footwork. Like footwork is everything. If your footwork's not good, you're gonna struggle. But he said, "Cause I'm from Rotunda, I've got good footwork. Rotunda fighters have good footwork, so I'm confident I can I can handle it." And obviously, at times in the fight, he was handling. He's one handling them great. In terms of footwork, is that just pure repetition? Then is that just you know? It's like if you build a house, Nick, you start the foundations. Or whatever property you build, whatever you build, you start the foundations, and you work your way up. And the Rotunda have always. Always had great footwork, and growing up, even now as a coach, you know what you can you can put a rotunda kid in a different kit, and you'll know he's from a rotunda by his right. feet. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, and the skillful, the top skillful kids, and it's just drills, 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 and repetition. Um, it's the same with our kids in our gym. Before you even throw a shot, you've got to be able to move your feet. You've got to be able to know what's coming at you, and get getting your distance and your timing is, is with the feet. And Tony is right; he he, he boxed every rotunda. Who, you had great feet with. Yeah. Before we finish, before, I want to continue talking about Belly, obviously, in part two, but let's end part one just on Usyk then. Obviously, a lot of talk now about him moving up to heavyweight. That seems yeah. the most logical step. He's yeah. cleaned up a cruiserweight now. Um, Anthony Joshua, of course, is the golden goose in the division. That's the fight everyone's talking about. Is he a year away from a Joshua fight? Is he two or three heavyweight wins away from that kind of opponent, do you think? Yeah, I, I've got a feeling he's going to fight the winner, Chisora and White. Okay, be- yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Absolutely. He, he attends their next show and he calls the winner out and then maybe after that fights Joshua. Yeah, so you literally one fight? You think he only needs I, one I, fight at heavyweight or I one big win at heavyweight? I, I, I think he was massive for me. I just think he was a huge fella. He was just a unit. Yeah. Um, and I don't, and as well, I don't think he has to put much weight on to be, you know what I mean? He can be a small heavyweight well, compared to Six Joshua. Three. Yeah, yeah, of course. Four wise, inches smaller than... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But his skills are world class. He's the best in the world. Yeah. And it's like, it's like Tony done. You dare to be. He moved up to fight David Ade to be a great. He done it, and I think Usyk can do it, and I rarely, rarely do. Yeah, Usyk's six three, but then Holyfield was six three. Yeah. And Holyfield did all right at heavyweight. Usyk was six three. 
and I think Tony as well, right? He's 6'3", same as the same. But he looked yeah. big, he just looked yeah, completely yeah. bigger. His back, you're right, his back looked I, like I a man. I was sitting, I went, wow, the size of him. Yeah. I'd like to see what weight he's on the ringer. That, yeah. That's what... Well, that'd be interesting now, because obviously that's the comparison you could make with Anthony Joshua. I think he's still a stone, stone half, maybe a little bit more off Joshua. But then Joshua isn't trying to make weight throughout yeah. camp. I'm sure he's sick cast to yeah. keep his weight under control to hit his weight division. Yeah. Uh, stick with us. I'm joined in the studio, as you can tell, by the one and only Mr. Derry Matthews. We are uh, dissecting Tony Bellew's incredible attempt against Alexander Usyk from the weekend. He dared to be great in Derry's mind and in my mind. He is still a great, and we'll talk about that much more in part two. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. I'm delighted to say I'm still joined in the studio by the one and only, the walking legend himself, Mr. Derry Matthews. And, you know, we're looking back with a heavy heart, of course, on Tony Bellew's performance against Alexander Usyk from Saturday night. Absolutely tremendous. Everyone in the country, I'm sure, uh, you know, if you hadn't fallen in love with Tony Bellew already, you certainly had by the time Sunday morning came because of the way, one, he performed. He went out on his shield, and you can't ask any more than that of a great champion. And two, the way he behaved post-fight as well, you know, obviously celebrating with Alexander Usyk, lamenting that Usyk is one of the greatest of this generation, if not the greatest cruiserweight of all time. He's certainly got to be in a conversation, at the very least, with the great Evander Holyfield. Holyfield never did, of course, what Usyk has managed to do, and that's win every single belt and defend it. His future, no doubt, belongs up a heavyweight. But Bellew has, has closed the chapter, you know, he said on Saturday night, Tony, the bomber Bellew died in the ring tonight. Anthony Bellew is reborn, and I'm delighted to say, of course, that both myself and Derry, we know Anthony Bellew better than we know Tony. We, we always knew Tony Bellew was a persona, someone made up for the media. Big mouth, the Liverpool lip, you know, the, the fat scouser who, who talks his way into fights. We knew that wasn't the real Anthony Bellew. We grew up with him. We knew what he was like in the amateurs. Yes, he was brashing everything else, but he's always been a, one of the most likeable characters in boxing. Absolute family man, heart on his sleeve. And now that he gets to go out at the very top of the sport, he's got all his faculties, he's got plenty of money in the bank, you know, and he gets to go and be, as he said, Anthony Bellew, the dad now, and, and leave all the boxing behind him. It's such a incredible position he's found himself in. You know, so many Liverpool boxers that we've, we could talk about here, so many fantastic fighters over the last 50 years, certainly post-war, Never got to go out like this. Usually people suffer a couple of defeats and then, you know, the career kind of winds down. He's got to the very top of the tree and gone, that's me, I'm done. Exactly. Nick, he's, listen, he's, he's gone out to the very best. He's, he's been beat by the most of, one of the best fighters on the planet at this moment. Um, and he's, he's, a, he's gone out as a legend. Um, no matter 50 years' time, whatever Tony Bellew, Anthony Bellew, we're going to call him now, whatever Anthony wants to go, He's going to be known. He's he's a superstar, um, and he's been a credit to the sport. He's been a credit to this city. Whether you're red line or a blue, you know he he's been he's been a great. Um, and I think the other night at the at the M, at the Emmy Arena, everyone everyone seen it. You know, seen it great. Okay, he lost, but he he took it took it on the chin. He took it well, and and it's, it's going to be missed. It's going to be missed by us all. But at the same time. He's left. He's left at the highest, the highest point of boxing, and he's been a great for this. I keep stating on. He's been a great for the city. Been a great for the sport, and yeah. he'll always be remembered as. as in, a in terms of this city, then, as far as I can tell, he's only the, he's he's the second fighter in history from Liverpool that has fought for the undisputed championship of the world. 
Now, the only other person to do it, to fight for every belt, or certainly every belt that was available at the time, every recognised world title at the time, was Alan Rudkin. Um, the only... Alan Rudkin fought three times for both... There was two world title belts at the time, and he fought for both of them on three separate occasions, fell short on three separate occasions, for fighting Harada in Japan. He fought Lionel Rose in Australia, and he fought over in America as well. Um for the all three belts, fallen short, as I say, one another one of Liverpool's all-time greats. The other names that you can mention as the greatest of all time from Liverpool, the likes of Nell Tarleton and Conte and Hodgkinson, sensational careers, but WBC champion, no unification fights in there, no big moments, and I think what Conte missed on, on Hodgkinson the same, you know, Hodgkinson never even fought, defended his belt on home turf. Conte did at Liverpool Stadium against Len Hutchins, but it was very much a low-level world title defence. It wasn't for the, for the number one spot, who's the best light heavyweight on the planet. What Bellew's done, not only winning the WC belt at Goodison, which was an incredible, incredible moment, then moved up to defeat the former heavyweight champion of the world twice in box office fights that completely captured the imagination of the entire country. And then he finishes by fighting the best fighter on the planet for every single belt in that weight division. No one's ever done that before. So the, co- the conversation about where he ranks in terms, in terms of Liverpool's greatest boxer, I think it's an open and shut case. It's got to be, Bellew. It's got to be. I don't think anyone will will achieve it, Nick, uh, if I'm honest. What Anthony's done is, it's a one-off. He sells arenas out. He's massive on Sky Box Office. He boxes at his football club, wins a world title. He gets put in a film. There's, there's no, there's no bigger for yeah. me. There's no, there's no bigger. There's, I was like, all right, if he would have won the other night, yeah. But well, but if he wins the other night, though, now we're talking about him ranked up there with Carl Zaghi, with Lennox Lewis, yeah. with the greatest British boxers of all yeah, time. Yeah, ex- exactly. And he's for me, he's, he's he still is up there with with them. Yeah. Um, it, it's look. And he's one of our own, and what he's achieved is, you know, in, in, in 50 years' time, people will still be talking about it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like my son was there the other night. There was kids in there. Yeah. There was kids crying when he got beat. Of course. Like, my, my lad all the way home was upset, going mad. There was kids around, oh, come on, bomb and all that. People with T-shirts on it. Was, <laughs> he's a superstar. And yeah. in 50 years' time, what People are still know and be talking about him. He's left a legacy. He's a legend, um, and you never know. He's got three boys there. They they, they could take over. Don't say they, that. Rachel will go mad. I know. I know, I know, I know Rachel go mad. Be, if she listens to this, she'll be ringing me. But you never know. You never know what's around the corner. You, you listen. It doesn't fall. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, and we might get to see another one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can only hope. You said that, not me. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not getting involved in that conversation. In terms of, let's look back then to when, you know, yourself, Bellew, the Smith, Pricey, you know, this this generation at the moment, this kind of golden generation that are just coming towards the end, you know, most of you guys are at the end or coming towards the end of your professional careers now. When we, when we look back 15 years when you're winning ABA titles and coming through as as juniors, NYCP champions, all that kind of stuff, at that point in time, when you looked around the talent pool of everyone that was about Derry, you wouldn't necessarily have gone, Bellew's the one that will go on and become an all-time great. He's the one that will fight for the Undisputed Championship of the world. When you looked at the talent pool, you know, and there was likes of Joe Selkirk and people like that, and right there, like then. So what's, what has made him achieve so much more? You know, know what, Nick, what, what I always find? 
and I, I've I've said it and loads have said it. Whenever Tony Bell, Anthony Bell, you walked into a room, you knew he was there. Yeah, you knew you. Here he is, the size of him. He knew there was just something about him. There was something about him, and do you remember when he went to fight um, cleverly the first time? Yeah. Live on Sky Sports. Bang! There you go. Cutting called him a rat or whatever. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That it just just even growing up amateurs, he used to just knock people people out for fun. Yeah. And he was he, and the way we were talking about before with the gold chain and the earphones on, he's walking around Everton Park Sports Centre like that, and everyone knew. Oh, there he is. There he is. But like he was were, Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, but there was just something about him. Yeah. There was just something about him, and then. I'll tell you what, I'd love to have been in the same club as him and Albo growing up. But Albo and him must have some arguments. Albo wouldn't be into all that. But I can imagine Albo giving him some stick, but at the same time, loving it. Yeah, yeah, he had yeah. the charisma about him. He just, whenever he walked in somewhere, you knew he was there. And and he always goes out of his way to shake everyone's hand, to take a picture with everyone. Like my amateur boxing show, my first ever one, he come four hours, photo with every single person in there, giving the medals out. You know, you can't buy that stuff. Yeah, That's yeah. what our kids forever. And then, that since then, they've all got Tony Bell. You pictures all over the bedroom walls. And that's, that's what happens. You're, you're a legend. You're a leg, you've left a legacy. Yeah. Um, and everyone and will know him. And from his early pro career, everyone knew him. You, you knew him, even when he, when he was with Frank Warren. You knew who he was. Everyone knew who he was. And he always wanted to fight the best. And he did. Yeah. How important is it now? Looking back, like he 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 made that separation himself at the weekend. You know, he he stepped away from himself and said, "Tony the Bomber Bellew is gone. Just Anthony Bellew remains." So he, he he's always had this separation. He's always had this persona that he would put in front of the cameras, in front of the media, ever since pretty much since he started in in pro boxing, certainly in the pro game. He envisaged this Tony Bomber Bellew character, which is, you know, it is him, but it's, it's, like it's volume turned right it, it, up, isn't it? You know, it's, like, it's like, w, like a wrestling man. Like Sam Hulk Hogan or whatever, Hogan, yeah, right? yeah. Put them in a the room, normal fellas. Yeah. Once once they switch on to, to a business side, the boxing side, well, Tony the boxing side of it, different man, animal. You yeah. know, wants to fight everyone, beat everyone up, goes home, family man. You can't... You can't there's not many people who can do it, and yeah. he's done it. He's, he cracked well, it. Well, that's it. That you, you're right. There's not many people that can do it because I think a lot of people, you know, I've I've spoken to young fighters about this all the time. I've spoken to active fighters now and fighters that are now retired who've had all the talent in the world, but were very quiet, very humble. Do you know who's getting it now? And I'll be honest with you, for that for the first for the last couple of years, even with the Callum Smith fight and everything else, Rocky Fielding very quiet, very quiet, very humble, very respectful. But you know now, since he's won that world title in Germany, honestly, he's come out of himself. He does interviews. People are saying to me, I was speaking to uh, Stevie Bunce from the BBC. We were chatting uh, at the press conference the other day and he said, how fantastic is Rocky Fielding now? He's completely come out of his shell. He can't shut him up in interviews. Loads of talk and everything else. Now, whether that's confidence he's come into him, whether that's having Jamie Moore in his corner now, maybe that's looking at Bellew a little bit and going, do you know what? Look who's made the most money from my city. Look who's had the most success from my city in this sport. It's Be- what does Bellew do differently than anybody else? Technically, Bellew's not the greatest boxer. Technically, or you could argue maybe now, but certainly growing up, his improvements have been incredible. But back then, you know, you wouldn't say he was technically the best. Or, but he's he's had the ingredients of everything. But that persona, that salesmanship, that bit of marketing around it, I think that's so important. A lot of fighters overlook it. 
I disagree with you on one thing, Nick. I think he has. He is the best. If you know the way you've just said about boxing skills and whatever, he, he's proven that he is. Of course, he's the, he's he's got everything: boxing, punching power, yeah. movement, game plan. He sticks to it. And then on the other side, he's, he's the be- <laughs> put a mic in front of him. He's the best. He's a salesman. Yeah. He's the he's the he's the best. And you know, people go, he's got a big mouth and all that. It's a business. Mm-hmm. It's a business. He can go home now, sit on the couch for the rest of his life. He can walk into Sky Sports Studio, yeah. get a job full time. Absolutely, yeah. he's, the, he's the best, and he'll be an unbelievable pundit because he knows the game inside out. He's like the Jamie Carragher, yeah, of of, of boxing. Mm-hmm. Jamie Carragher will tell you everything about football. Yeah. Tony Bellew will tell you everything, everything about boxing. Whether he's going to go down that path, we don't know, but I'm sure there'll always be room for him. Yeah, absolutely. I know he's going to have a year off. He was saying, but. I know Sky Sports had also fallen over themselves to put him on a massive contract because they want to make him the voice of boxing for Sky Sports for that exact reason, for the there way he talks about there the sport, the way he breaks it down. So how do you then, as a, as a coach now, then certainly working with pros, I know you've got a, a, a young heavyweight who's about to make his debut soon. How do you kind of reflect that on him? How do you say, you know, to explain to him that it's not just about the boxing. It's got to be. You've got to be a full package. You were the same. You were always brilliant with media. You always enjoyed doing interviews, or at least you pretended you enjoyed doing interviews. You kind of embraced it. But that's such an important part of the job, and I, that's probably why you were able to sell out the Arreco Arena, kind of like Crawler does in Manchester. Yeah. There's that connection with the fans. That that ability to never walk away from doing an autograph or a selfie picture. You've that's something else as well. Yeah, that's just. Being a kid off a council estate, being a lucky kid, I, I, I call myself lucky every day. I'm from a council estate, I've done well out of boxing, I've got, I've had a good career, um, and I haven't forgot people. I haven't forgot where I've come from, and someone wants a photo, you get a photo. It's like last week, I've had, I've had an Instagram of a, a lady from a school saying, the kids want to write you some letters, would you be able to reply? I said, Just get me a date and a time, and I'll call in and, and have a chat with them all, and she was like, really? Yeah, why am I? I'm no different to anyone else. Yeah. So now I'm going to a school to, to do an assembly. It's just that's just the way we are. Um, you know, you just gotta you've got to be one of the lads. At the same time, you've got to you've got to switch on when you've got to switch on. But I think Anthony's just he's, he's just being being one of us. Um, loves the city. It's just I'm just good. He's a blue. He should be a red. But it's one of them things. It's um, not for changing. No, he'll Outside, never, he'll it's never not for change. Changing. Um, but it's one of them. Have you been surprised in that, that there is, you know, it, it's all, listen, the whole country was supporting him in the weekend and I'd like to think every single Red was supporting him the weekend, but unfortunately there is one or two people still on social media having a pop and there is one or two so-called Liverpool fans having a pop as well. And Jealousy. Yeah, I think that's all it can come down to me. Jealousy. Yeah. Jealousy. That, well, well, listen, someone from your own city, someone who's, who's a scouser, who does brilliant for the city, is winning belts, earning money. What's it to be jealous? Just, just pat him on the back, acknowledge him, say well done, thank you very much. I've had some great nights. I've been on his undercards. I've been to watch him as a fan. I've had great nights. I've took me, me boy, my family to watch him. He's a legend, and and I think ninety percent of the city all all agree with me. He's, he's a yeah. proper proper gent, and he's left a legacy, and he's left a legacy, and I don't think anyone, for me, will achieve what he's achieved. No, of course, there is uh, a couple of big fights coming up. Um, we've had one big fight, of course, for Callum Smith earlier this year. He became the Liverpool's first ever Ring Magazine champion. Um, there's a massive fight coming up in December. 
uh, similar to Bellew Usyk when Rocky Fielding will take on Canelo Alvarez. And obviously there's talk now as well of, of Callum Smith coming back in to fight at Anfield in May. I'm going to ask Delhi about all that in part three. Stick with us. You'll listen to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. If you just joined us, I am still joined in the studio, delighted to say by the legend himself, Dirty Derry Matthews, um, who we became, obviously I announced him earlier on as gold, the golden boy Derry Matthews. Obviously we're in part three now, like his career, when we became Dirty Derry Matthews. Uh, if you just joined in, you've missed us breaking down all the Bell stuff. If you want to hear it, check us out at fightdisciples.com. All our podcasts are up there. We do a boxing show, we do a UFC show, and of course our Radio City Talk show goes up the day after. You should be able to listen to that on from Wednesday morning. All our back catalogues there. Also, stick up, uh, follow us for all fight news, breaking across MMA and boxing, both for Merseyside, the whole of the UK, and internationally on social media at Fight Disciples on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, all the usual places. Uh, I just want to wind down tonight's show, Derry, and asking you, obviously, about... We, we've done the whole Bellew thing. Incredible, incredible night it was against Alexander Usyk. We touched on it there uh, at the end of part two. Another incredible night coming up on December the 15th when another scouser, a world champion, dares to be great, taking on another of the best pound-for-pound fighters on the planet. I am, of course, talking about the man himself, Rocky Fielding, taking on... Canelo Alvarez. I've got to be honest. Does Alvarez stand any chance against Rocky's right hand? You could most you could say not because to me Rocky's a massive, massive puncher. Yeah. Um, if Rocky wins, is it a, is it a shock? No, because people know that Rocky Rocky's in this to win it. You you're in this game to fight the best. It's a two horse race. Um, Rocky's a massive puncher with either hand. I've, I've trained with Rocky um, when we fight when. The, we first turned over, we were up at Oliver's, and he's, I've seen him sparring, I've seen him hurting people in the sparring, I've seen him carry on fellas boxing, and listen, it's a big ask, but I, but I wouldn't write him off. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he can win this fight. It, it, it's going to be an hard fight, it's going to be times where it's going to be hard in the fight, but Rocky Fielding can beat, can beat Canelo. Is the, is the first fight for this daddy, Rocky, overcoming the occasion and getting comfortable with the fact that He's in Madison Square Garden, the mecca of boxing, and he's facing one of the pound-for-pound best boxers on the planet. He can't think about that, can he? No, he's got nothing to lose. Yeah. Uh, I think when he got beat to Callum, I'd have loved to have seen him get through the first round. And it might have been a different fight. You don't know. You don't know what would have happened. Um, he, I don't know whether he, just, he got, got caught in the headlights with, with Callum. Um, but with Alvarez, you just, you just don't know. You know, he's just got to go in there, listen... I'm here to win this fight. I'm the champion. Rocky's the champion, don't forget. And he's got to say to himself, I'm here to win this. I'm the champion. I'm coming to beat you at Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. And then you never know what's going to happen. Um, and fingers crossed. Again, he's from Liverpool. The, the city should be behind him. I've seen loads of people on social media giving him stick. What, why are you giving him stick? He's here to fight the You're here to fight the best. You're in this game to fight the best. To earn a few quid. Secure your family's future. And that's what he's doing. There's no bigger fight out there. There's no bigger fight. There's no, no bigger fight. He's just beat Golovkin. Mm-hmm. There's no bigger fight. And, you know, he deserves all the credit in the world. And I think that his management team and his promoter, they deserve a pat on the back as well. Did they? Um, you, obviously, you you represent MTK when it comes to Liverpool. You know, the, the team at MTK closer than anybody. 
Did MTK approach Canelo or did Canelo approach MTK? How did it kind of break I down the fight I, itself? Nick, I couldn't tell you. Um, I just could not tell you. Only they'd be able to answer to themselves. But listen, it's happened. What and an opportunity, though. An opportunity. Wow. I think anyone who's with him, association with MTK, who's boxing for MTK, you always get asked, you know, the, for me, the biggest brand in, in boxing at the moment. Um, and they're getting all the lads the big fights. It's a, it's a, listen, it's a massive fight for Rocky. But... The people in the city need to get behind him. They need to buy. He's one of our own. Get yeah. behind him. Imagine he, w- well, when he wins. That's when what I want to say. When he wins. Yeah, yeah, of course. Imagine what's going to bring to this city. Yeah. You know what I mean? The 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 up and coming kids coming through. They're all going to be on the undercard. It's going to be it's going to be brilliant. He was there on Saturday night, Rocky. He was up in Manchester. Bizarrely enough, he was queued, when I seen him, he was queuing up to get his ticket. And I just grabbed him and said, "You don't queue up. You walk to the front." You're Rocky Field and world champion. You're about to fight Canelo. You don't queue up with people and push them to the front to go and get his VIP passes. But I think Rocky needs to... And I was talking to him about this. We went to the gym. And if you if you want to see the interview, it's on our YouTube channel, at Fight Disciples. Check it out there. It's up there now. We were speaking to him about it. He seems to have changed. I talked about this in part two. Rocky seems to have changed. People are noticing a change in Rocky Field. And, and I think a big part of that, that he is down to Jamie Moore. I think Jamie Moore is a very good coach when it comes to getting inside fighters' heads and making sure their heads are screwed on. And success breeds success. Yeah. Look who he's got in the gym. Frampton. Yeah. Martin Murray. You've got Wardy. They're all... Yeah. Even coming, Tommy Coyle looks better than ever. Tommy Coyle's in the, in the, in the time of his life. Yeah. He's, in, he's in the best best shape, form and mentally. He's, he's, he's everything. So, you know, it's good. Good characters in the gym. When the pranks are happening, the pranks are happening, then there's work to be done. Yeah. And success breeds success. They're enjoying it. You see, I always... Look, I, I follow everyone. I watch all the social medias and and that they're having good times. But when the training's getting done, it's getting done. And, you know, it's going to be... It's interesting time. Jamie's got a good stable at the moment. They're, they're flying all the lads and... You know, good luck to them all. I think a lot of the American media aren't giving Rocky much of a chance, which you'd expect because he's not really fought in America before, so they haven't seen him up close and personal. But for a fight like this, from a coaching perspective, from Jamie Moore's perspective, then how how do you approach getting Rocky right for Canelo? Is it about having the right game plan? Is it right about just having Rocky the best Rocky fielding you possibly can on the right? Is that the most important thing rather than saying, "Well, this is how we'll handle Canelo. This is what he does. This is what he doesn't do." Is it more about getting the best Rocky fielding yeah. available? I think you need the best Rocky fielding and a bit more, and yeah. he can do it. But the best Rocky fielding I've ever had, better than he's ever been, but then a bit more. If you, if you know what I mean, of course. Like, just, just one chance. Only one time he has to do it. Yeah. He has to do it. Be the best and a bit more, and he's the. Then he becomes the best fighter on the talk, on the planet. Talking about a guy Canelo, that's you know he's ranked in everybody's top five pound for pound. Most people's top. He's a world superstar. He's up there, you know. But he's the biggest pay per view straw in boxing. Yeah. Besides from Conor McGregor, he's the biggest pay per view straw in boxing. Massive deal. Massive deal with the zone. Crazy money. You know. And I said this to Rocky half jokingly. I was like, "There will be a rematch clause because you're fighting Canelo, and that's how it works. You fight a superstar like that, they have a rematch clause in the contract just in case." I said, your rematch clause got to say Anfield and me. <laughs> just sit. But, because it's a two-pronged attack, isn't it? You know, you can't just build Rocky Field and go, we're going to go and beat Canelo in December. You've got to be like, we're going to beat Canelo twice. You've got to have to beat him twice. But imagine, the, hopefully this is, a, this is a life-changing payday for him. You'd like to think, uh, this one. But imagine what the second fight is. Imagine what that does. That's some of that Tony Bellew money. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, but I'd, I'd take one fight at a time, Nick. I'd take one fight at a <laughs> time. I'm already talking about the rematch, yeah, mate. I've already got his hand raised and everything. Yeah, take one fight at a time. And, you know, and you were saying about sticking to game plans or whatever. The way Bellew does. Yeah. The way with Dave Caldwell, they've got like, almost the great, what, what they do. And to, <laughs> it's mad because when they, I've seen like clips of them in the gym, they don't even look like they talk to each other. They just know each other. Yeah. Like Dave will know when he's in a good mood, when he's not in a good mood. And I think that's the way Jamie is with his fight. It's people skills. Yeah. And Jamie Moore's got them with, with the fights he's got. And being around champions helps. Success beats success. And, and being around people who know to get on you in, in training camps. Like when I was in training camps, I've always been around great fighters. Yeah. Good fighters who, who, who know me. Like Jamie Conlon, for instance. I love training with Jamie because he knows how to, how to, what to tell you, what when to say it to you. Boost you up, knock you. If you spy crap, he'll tell you. Put it to one side and say, "What was that?" At? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe show yourself, and then you're like, "What?" Yeah, of course. But that's that's what works, and that's what that's what you need. You need yeah. good people around you, and, and Rocky's got that at the moment. Absolutely. From a coaching perspective, then, do you now look as you're, you're you're early on in this your journey as a as a professional coach as well? Do you look at Jamie Moore's stable? Are you starting to think one day I'd love a stable like that? Yeah, I'd love look. a stable of champions like that, and. Because Jamie Moore almost jacked it in a couple of years ago. Yeah, he almost yeah. walked away from the sport altogether. Yeah. Tommy Coyle, I think, was his last boxer. Yeah. And after Tommy lost to yourself and stuff, I think he was like, you know what, well, I'm going to knock it on the head now. Yeah, and what else, right? I've, I've learned, I'm learning as a coach. You never stop learning. Yeah. And never be jealous of anyone. If someone's doing well, credit them. Credit them, because they, they deserve it. A coach deserves it. And spends all the time up at 6 o'clock in the morning Georgie Vaughan for instance he's 80 years of age he's still up with our lads at 6 in the morning he's still in the gym every day at 12 o'clock these, the, these don't get the credit they deserve because mm-hmm. he won't do an interview yeah of course he won't do an interview and to be honest I'm learning off him like I said to him before I'm coming over to the radio to do, to do an interview with me. <laughs> he shook his head yeah. why it's not about you I mean, but I've been invited like uh, as a guest to speak about Bomber's um, career, he went, okay then. But <laughs> So, I've cut back on a few of the interviews. <laughs> I love it. Um, let's finish the show, of course, there's another big fight coming up for this city. Uh, we mentioned it earlier on, talking about Liverpool boxers going in against absolute superstars and you know the big talk from Thursday's press conference last week and I know it bubbled up again earlier today with the Sky Sports putting something out and it's been reaffirmed again that target number one for Callum Smith's first defence of his ring magazine of his WBA super world title belt has been pencilled in for Anfield in May and the number one name on everyone's lips is Triple G is Golovkin if that happens Derry that's that's going to be huge talk about cycles doesn't that put Liverpool at the epicentre of world boxing once I, again yeah I think we are anyway if you know if, three lads there you've just mentioned all within the space of three months in the biggest fights in world boxing Incredible. Yeah. And you've got like some Robbie Davies now. Banging on the door, of course. Yeah, they're all banging on the door. There's, there's, honest, Steve Woods has got a good stable of fighters. It, it Liverpool's good at the moment. And then if Callum goes to fight, well, he is fighting at Anfield. The talks of it's who he's going to fight is a yeah. big name. Did he wait f- to see how Rocky gets on to fight Rocky there? Did he? You don't know what's going to happen. Um, fights Triple G. To me, it's a Triple G's another one. He's a world superstar. He's not just. A boxing superstar is a world superstar. He's a he's, he's a famous superstar, and I think it'll sell. I think it'll sell well at Anfield. You've got to look at that though and think, you know, you you probably wouldn't admit it, but from 
from my perspective, from where you are, from where the groundwork, you, the likes of yourself, the other Smith brothers, Pricey, Bellew, of course, have put in, you've kind of kicked the doors open for Rocky, for Callum to go, okay, they took it, I'm going to go to the next step, I'm going to push it further, because the Echo Arena's become a brilliant venue for live boxing. When you first started out, there was no I Echo Arena. Do well, no. Do you know, there was Arena. no venue. Do Jimmy Neary was one of the biggest boxers in all of Britain. And wasn't even fighting in Liverpool because we didn't have an arena for him. I was. I remember I was Everton Park selling out in a day. Yeah. And then we went to the Echo. I was the first ever fighter. If you can remember, yeah, I went yeah. on at five o'clock. Yeah. I wanted to break the record. I wanted to be the first ever fighter to to box the Echo Arena. Yeah, I'd done that. I shouldn't have. Selling it out. I shouldn't have. <laughs> I shouldn't have. Two years down the line, eighteen months down the line, I was selling the arena out. We sold yeah. it out big time. Um, the Olympia I've sold it out. I could sell it out tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and then now, so, so now looking back, Goodison, that's Granfield. that's what I mean. You look back and you look at Goodison. You look at potentially Callum Smith in May. You look these massive fights, and you've got to think, boss, I played a part in that. And how exciting to see what comes next. Yeah, and then how big, it, how bigger it could become. It's like me now at my amateur club. Now, if we keep going to Anfield now, in ten years' time, fifteen years' time, it'll be bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It's gonna, it's, it's great. Yeah. It's gonna be, it's, it's gonna be brilliant. Um, and it's just got to keep growing, and that's down to the amateur clubs in Liverpool. There's, there's every amateur club deserves a pat on the back because there's some great talent coming from all the clubs. The pro stables, they all, all deserve the credit as well. And now that there's a lot of programs happening, the Solly have got a program. Yeah, ERT, yeah, ERT. Yeah, myself. That's why. Um, Stockbridge, ABC, they're yeah. doing it as well, and it's good because then you're not losing your kids. You're having your kids from the age of eight or nine, and you're bringing them through on the journey. And then one day, you know, to be selling Medina's out. Absolutely, yeah. Fingers crossed. That's where that's where we want to go. A little bit of other news as well. Watching the fight on Saturday night, did you see Ricky Burns against Scott Cardle? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um, I know that behind the scenes, prior to Ricky Burns getting announced. Luke Willis was in the frame for that fight as well. Luke Willis had put his name forward to fight Scott Cardle. What an opportunity that would have been for young Luke. I know he was willing to fight for free on Saturday night to get his name out there. And magnificent talent for me, Luke. He's just waiting for that opportunity, banging on the door. And that would have been the ideal fight for him, Derry. What a coming out party it would have been. Brilliant fight. And what, what I like about Luke is, I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, he was in the gym yesterday sparring Nathan Bennett. He wants to fight the best. He wants, to, he wants fights. He doesn't want to just fight journeyman. Mm-hmm. He's a fighter. He wants to, he want, and he's a fan. So he, he it's like myself. I, want, I don't want to go fight a, a waiter from Hungary or Bulgaria. You want to fight the best, um, and and that's what Nick, uh, sorry, Luke wants to do. Luke wants to fight the best fighters, and he's called every, he's, he's called them out, but in, in a respectful way. Yeah. He's saying he wants to fight the best. These are the best, and this is who I want to fight. He's yeah. not saying I, I want him because I, I don't like him or whatever. He likes them. The good fighters. He gives them credit, and he wants to be in that position. And, and you know, one day, and I think he's got to be knocking on the door now, Nick, for um, for the fight, and I'm sure Steve Woods will, will get him one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fingers crossed. Hopefully, we'll keep you up to date with that news coming soon. Uh, Big Pricey, of course, is away at the moment as well. He's over in Amsterdam, I'm hearing, or somewhere in the Netherlands, doing some sparring. He's back on December the 22nd. No news yet on an opponent for Big Pricey, but I will try and get him on next week's show to find out what's going on. I'm hearing rumours about Shannon the Cannon Briggs. Remember him? Let's go, champ! Let's go, champ! I'm hearing rumours about that for December the 22nd. That is on the Dillian White uh, Derek Chisora undercard down in London. We'll get the full lowdown, hopefully, from Pricey 
on next week's show. All that's left for me to say is thank you, Daddy, for joining me on the studio. No I think we're both united in saying it may not have worked out for him on Saturday night. We may not have got the fairy tale ending that Anthony Bellew's career, sorry, probably deserved. But you know what? In both our books and in the minds of pretty much every real sports fan in this great city of ours, Tony Bellew will forever go down as the greatest Merseyside boxer of all time. Let's get that statue be- built. Come back next week for more Fight Disciples, Top of the Tower, Tuesday night. Be there or be square. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.